thought leaders, storytellers and griots sharing personal highlights on Stories of the Week. It's half past seven and we are going into our first story as part of Thought Leaders, Storytellers and Griots. Today is, of course, May the 1st. It's International Women's Day. And uh, one of the stories that came out and we thought was kind of interesting, it's one that has, has struck me for a while, is that often when we talk about diversity in the office, we might talk about it in relation to gender. We will definitely talk about it in relation to race, but we don't often talk about it in relation to age diversity. And uh, yet age diversity is probably one of the critical areas of where learning can take place and engagement can take place in a very different way. Brian Mplanger is a leadership development practitioner and uh, he contributed to an article which is um, which was put out by Old Mutual focusing on generational differences at work. Brian, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Thank you very much for having me. Brian, it is a very fascinating topic, this, because it's not one that is often engaged with. Um, we might say, yes, we need a lot more young people in the workspace, but we don't look at it as an intergenerational opportunity. So we might say, okay, just young people or otherwise. Talk to us about what you were focusing on with regards to this particular um, article. Right. So I think there's a scenario understanding of what diversity means and diversity as you've um, you've pointed out at the beginning of, of of this conversation has been really reduced to either race or sexuality or it has actually been reduced to even gender matters but people negate the fact that diversity could also be something that applies to age factor to the whole age dimension so People would get into the workplace and they'll be talking diversity, diversity, and they don't even realize that even from an age perspective, diversity should be should be should be considered. Now you, you realize that from um, from uh, the different generational, the different generations, we've got the silent generation, the baby boomers, we've got Generation X, Generation Y, and Generation Z, and all those generations come um, in as much as they are not a homogeneous group but they come with unique characteristics of, uh, of, of what it means to belong to, um, uh, to that kind of a generation and to have been born and lived and existed. Because you come with a different worldview. I come from a generation, I belong to the generation Y. I grew up without a cell phone, but um, my kids, my nephews are growing up with, with cell phones, with devices and gadgets, and that's a whole different worldview from what I had, how I was raised myself. Brian, if we look at the fact that there is huge opportunity in the uh, idea of in, in, expanding the, the sort of generational uh, conversation within the workspace, how does one do that? So how does one look at the fact that there might be someone who is a baby boomer in the workspace, there might be someone who is from Gen X in the workspace, and so on and so on and so on? And what does it mean for everybody who is engaged in that particular words, workspace? Okay, so in that particular environment, in that particular context, we need then to actually create a space, an environment where everybody has a sense of belonging. We get it wrong when, say, the baby boomers say, this is how we do things here. And then the Generation Z comes in and says, but things have changed. Actually, perhaps we should start doing things this way. 
So it's about bringing all the voices and all the perspectives to the to, to the table, and after we bring them to the table, and now finding common way and common ground for each and every one of us. So everyone that at the core of diversity is a sense of belonging and a sense of realizing that I can contribute to to, to the agenda. I can determine the agenda. I'm not just invited here, and I cannot determine the menu or what would say the agenda. You know, Brian, it's such an interesting conversation, this, because when I read the article, one of the things that struck me was how both uh, the youth generation, if we want to call it that, uh, millennials and further on, felt that they were silenced when they got into the workplace. And likewise, people who were either boomers or Gen X, Y, also felt that they were silenced, that they were being told that they were old and fuddy-duddy or that they were young and inexperienced. And that does talk to a very interesting conversation around how we listen to each other and how we respect each other. Correct, absolutely. And so beyond how we listen and how we speak to one another, we need to create what I call, and if you look at the article, what we call a thinking environment. A thinking environment is an environment that has what we call psychological safety. Psychological safety is underpinning that thinking environment where we are able to actually say, I see this from my perspective without even fear of being penalized or victimized or actually being um, gaslighted or all the other things that happen when you speak up. Because what mm. happens in an environment that is not a thinking environment is that we have people who feel whose voices are then silent. And those voices are actually very important. And then we have a young generation that comes in and that takes over and says, we know, we know how to do it. So I, I, I was working in a, in a different context in another organization recently. And the young people say, no, we've got degrees and we've, we've gone to the best IV universities in South Africa. And you realize that, and they come holding those kind of um, credentials. But when you look at those who've been there before them, they probably don't have the credentials and the degrees, but they have got what we call the wisdom of experience. And one cannot also undermine that. So we need, if you're then going to be a leader, we need to realize that we need to hone in all those voices and see how we can move forward together instead of alienating people. Because what then happens is then we alienate those who've been, who've been in the organization before and we say, oh, now we're going for the people with the degrees and the PhDs and the masters who've been at the big universities and we alienate those people who come uh, with no credentials and qualifications. So their voices become silent. Likewise, um, some young people might feel like their voices are silenced um, in that space as well. And I suppose the conversation is how do you find common ground and equitable ground? That's a a very interesting one because there is no formula. Everything depends on the context that we find ourselves in. But I think what is is important and vital in, in an environment like this is are we allowing people to make a contribution? Are people being listened to? Are people being heard? But also, have we done away with things like the biases? Because then somebody says, ah, he's just a, he just completed his metric last year. He's, he's an intern or she's an intern. And they make a very valuable contribution. And guess what? We, mm. we sometimes overlook it or we sometimes undermine it. I think it is always important to realize that everybody has something to contribute. Everyone has something to contribute. And when you realize that um, nobody passes that, then you realize that um, we are all seeking um, for the same thing. We want the same goals, actually. We are pushing towards the same goals. But that's what I often argue. Brian, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing because um, a little bit earlier we were talking about whether or not 
one could call whether whether um, school schoolgoers should call could call their teachers by their first name, and um, we, we've got a lot of responses to that right now. Someone Jones Nevin Benoni saying there are cultures around the world where calling someone by their first name. Uh, means that they are close or have some kind of relationship and it's disrespectful to call someone that is of lower working status their full name. Uh, I'm not quite sure about that line. but And from personal experience, the first name usage is a privilege and not a right. And the reason this makes for, for great conversation actually is because it does start to say, do we con- continue with what we've known historically or do we start to look at other ways, other options, and, and, and I suppose other ways of thinking about things? I mean, COVID has really changed the world in so many ways. We're never going to go back to what we had. But um, what would your take be on that? We need to approach this conversation with criticality and also with uh, reflexivity, right? And we need to then ask ourselves, who are we now? You spoke about how COVID has changed us. We are coming out of COVID, uh, slowly coming out of the pandemic, and people, we've changed. Uh, our society has changed. South Africa has changed. The world has changed. Now we acknowledge that. But it's important also to realize what is the context, right? Yes. And in the context of South Africa, we are an African country, and we are in Africa. And part of being African is that whole philosophy of Ubuntu and deeply embedded in Ubuntu, and this is in the context of education, we we have this thing called respect. Yeah. Now, respect is not about power dynamics. It could, but at the heart of respect, at the heart of respect is just honoring the other person, and especially within African adults. Adults yeah. are not our equals. I am a student. You are the adult. Therefore, there is even a power relationship. Now, I'm not, in, I'm not advocating for power relationships, but we need to realize that they are different from me, and I'm a child. They are an adult. So that respect is very important because uh, where do we then draw the line? So I would not advocate for calling teachers by their name. But I would advocate for respecting them. But also, as teachers, then teachers then need to also realize that the relationship that they had with students in the 80s or in the 90s, when you and I were growing up, it also changed. We yeah. engage with students, we talk to them with respect also. So it becomes a mutual thing. It, it's not just one way. It certainly becomes an interesting conversation then when you take that through into the workspace as well. Brian, we have to leave it there, but uh, this feels to me like it's a conversation we could take much, much further. Brian uh, Mklanga is a leadership development practitioner, and he contributed to a really interesting article which was put out by Old Mutual. I mean, it was a thought leadership piece around managing generational differences at work, and we'd love you to contribute to that. Like, how do you feel about it at work? Are you one of the youngsters? Are you one of the older people? And how do you feel and engage with one another in different ways? And it takes us back to the story that uh, we came up with quickly, not quickly, uh, earlier on with regards to TikTok, where we're talking about uh, children who call their teachers by the first name. And what does that mean in terms of cultural uh, approaches? And what does it mean in terms of respect? And is it seen as disrespectful or otherwise? 741.